Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. You can give Hector a call. He's local, 940-453-3490. Also, of course, by Greening Law, personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, Jam Session, the podcast version 172, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. That is correct, Jean-Jacques Taylor. Yes, we got a lot to talk about. I, I want to do something. I didn't tell you about this, but I wrote down a bunch of listener tweets and whatnot about the Cowboys that I want to go kind of up through. I don't know. I, I've just I've I've been having some some time with some of the people, so we're gonna oh, do hey, that. Yeah. We're gonna have Todd Archer. We're gonna have Ed Werder. We're gonna take a trip around the block. Thanksgiving is coming up tomorrow. As many of you listen to this on the day before Thanksgiving, Cowboys and the Raiders. But before we do that. Have you called Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America? I just gave you his number, 940-453-3490. Have you called Hector? Again, it's non-fee-based, doesn't cost anything to meet with them. So give Hector a call and schedule a time to sit down with them. And also, did you know that they offer life insurance? And you may go, why? And I didn't know this, but Hector was telling me they consider life insurance the foundation of a solid financial portfolio because it provides income replacement. It can take care of debt and final expenses. And it's also one of the easiest ways to build generational wealth because you're getting dollars for pennies. That is true, man. And that's why you listen to Hector, bro. Uh, there's a lot of things that Hector can, Hector can teach you and tell you about how to take care of your long-term future. Maybe it's life insurance, maybe it's stocks and bonds. It doesn't really matter. I think the important thing is you tell him, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to accomplish. Here's the time frame I have to accomplish, whether it's five years, whether it's 50 years, and then let him go to work with a plan. And then you follow the plan and execute. Yeah. And, and you know, I did, I had no idea, but with life insurance, it can be used to mitigate taxes when passing on taxable assets like land and, and some retirements and stuff like that. So give Hector a call. Modern Woodman has been handling and providing life insurance for 138 years, man. They've been doing it a long time. He can help you plan for you and your family's financial future. Hector Flores, 940-453-3490. It's 940 
453-3490. Also, of course, our friends at Greening Law, Robert Greening and his green team. How about this? You know, I always say this because you honestly, you not, you just don't, you never know when that car accident is going to happen. There's no way to know, and it's stunning when it happens to you. I got a message today on Twitter from Omar. Omar sent me a a message on Twitter, as I just repeat myself. He goes, yes. he sent me this. He says, this just happened to me today. It's a picture of a wreck that he was involved in, and he's got a picture and it's a fairly smashed up vehicle. He said, who did I call first? The green team. Wow. Yeah, and, it, and obviously I was like, I didn't even, I was like, man, I just hope you're okay. And, and he said, yeah, getting his knee checked out, headed to the hospital. But he had it top of mind. I mean, that's one of those things where he looks at it and because you never know. And, and you, you, that battle against the insurance companies, man, can be feisty. Let the green team fight your legal battle so you have time to focus on that healing renewal. 972-934-8900. Call is free. The consultation costs you absolutely nothing. Dude, the thing about it is not only does it cost you nothing, they don't get paid unless you get paid. Um, there's nothing easier than picking up the phone, telling the green team your circumstances and seeing if you're a fit with them and then letting them handle your thing, man, because they answer questions, check this out, that you didn't even know needed to be asked. They do. You're right. And they don't get paid unless you get compensated. So at the end of the day, it is a win-win. Give them a call again, 972-934-8900, Robert Greening Offices, Dallas, Texas. Cowboys Thanksgiving, man. That's what you do. At least when you were in my house, what what did you do? You you had to plan. We went over. We called a Mima and Grandy. We had to get to Mima and Grandy's house. If we drove out to East Texas, sometimes we do it Wednesday night. Sometimes we do it Thursday morning. You got there in time for everybody to come over and gather around, and then you would put on the game. Detroit game would always come on first. You would eat usually while the Detroit game was going on, so that everybody could eat kind of get seconds and have the kitchen ready and cleaned up because you had to pick your spot and you were in place ready to go for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving afternoon. Bro, that's how you, that's how you're supposed to do it. That's the perfect day. That is how I was raised. I've been doing it my entire life and I continue to do that. It's the Cowboys and the Las Vegas Raiders on Thanksgiving afternoon. The Raiders coming in on a three-game losing streak. The Cowboys who have lost two out of their last three. Who's going to win? I'm going to tell you this. Let me go through a couple of numbers for you. Vegas is one of the six worst scoring defenses in the NFL. They have the second worst red zone defense. If you get into the red zone against the Raiders, they're going to give you a touchdown. Only Detroit is worse. They're bottom three in third down defense. They have a very difficult time of getting opposing offenses off the field. They have one of the very worst rush defenses in the NFL. They've allowed at least 110 yards rushing in eight of their 10 games. They allow four and a half yards per carry. Only five teams in the NFL allow more. And oh, by the way, they've turned it over seven times in their last three games. They struggle to run. They struggle to pass. Oh, and they're <laughs> bottom five in the NFL in plays per drive because they have a ton of three and outs. This Good paints grief. the picture for me of Trash. a team in disarray that is not very good, that has gone through a lot, a lot of drama, a lot of difficulty. Their coach got excused. Their number one draft pick, both of them from last year, are already kicked off the team. 
I don't think that this Raiders team is going to be able to salvage their season, and I think they're going to run into a team coming back home who was embarrassed with how they played on Sunday in Kansas City and is going to show out. I mean, that that all sounds well. That all sounds good. That all makes sense. Now let's just see if they can go make it happen and do it, dog. I have a hard time believing that the Cowboys team we saw, much like I said against Denver, I thought it was an anomaly. The Chiefs are a good team. I think if the Cowboys play the way that I have seen them play the majority of the season, this is an easy win. I even think if they play the way they played against the Chiefs, I still think that they win because the Raiders aren't as good as the Chiefs. It'll be a a hell of a lot closer. I think they just need to play good football, man. If they play good football, the Cowboys will win, and they'll win convincingly because they are a better team. And so, I mean, I, I don't even think it's a big deal as long as they play good football. If they do that, man, everything else will take care of itself. I believe they're going to win this game. This is, uh, I, I think that they're about to win a couple of games in a row and get back on track here. Tyron Smith practiced in full. He should be ready to go. That should help the offensive line. Yeah, it'll be weird because they will not have Amari Cooper and they will not have CeeDee Lamb. I'd be shocked if he plays. But that being said, the Raiders do not defend the run very well. This might be the game where they realize, hey, didn't we pay one of our running backs a ton of money a while back? (laughs) Do you think we should try to use him? Oh, my God, Zeke Elliott's on our team. I totally forgot. I think that this is a game that they can use Pollard and Zeke. This is one of those games to me. I wouldn't be surprised that Dak is like 200 yards passing and they run the hell out of the ball and crush him. I think they're going to try and see if they can truly impose their will on the game and get the running game back cranked up again, man. It's been a minute uh, since the running game was good, and um, I think that's what's required. And, you know, Zeke's been banged up, man. Um, he's had He's been dealing with his mm-hmm. knee thing for most of the season. Um, I do know this. The first five games of the year, he averaged like 17 carries, 90 yards, 5.3 average. The last five games, he's more like 13 carries, 48 yards a game, uh, 3.6. That's not going to get it done. They've got to be better with, uh, with Zeke. They've got to be better with the running game. And now, my friend, is the time. They have nobody on offense that I'm worried about outside of Darren Waller. The tight end is potentially a problem for the Cowboys. Hunter Renfro doesn't scare me at all, at all, at wide receiver. You know, they're running backs with Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber. Neither one of them. I, I, this is, you know, Brian Edwards at wide receiver. I, they just don't have Zay Jones, another guy who's still hanging around. They just don't have those weapons that scare you at all anymore in Las Vegas. And for whatever reason, they just don't. Outside of Darren Waller, who is a dominant top three tight end in this league. No, that's why this is a game the Cowboys should win. Uh, plus, they've got all those off-the-field issues, man. Rich Basaccia, who we know from uh, Coach Cowboys Specialties for five years, the head coach. But, uh, you know, between Henry Ruggs' awful situation – uh, the drunk driver tragedy that ended uh, with uh, a woman dying along with a dog. Uh, you know, John Gruden's deal uh, forced out. I mean, th- dude, uh, I think they played one game for Basaccia strictly off of emotion in the last three weeks. They've been getting, t- uh, last three games, they've been getting tagged like you would expect them to get tagged for a team that's in disarray. Yeah, and it's just weird, man, because, you know, Josh Jacobs, 
who they drafted and had a phenomenal rookie season, had over 1,100 yards. And even last year, he ran for over 1,000 and had 12 touchdowns. You realize this year he has 333 yards and his season high rushing. He had 76 yards against the Giants, 53 yards and one other. Those are the only two games he's cracked 50. Wow. That's the... That's a little bit surprising, man. You think he'd be able to give him more? You would, but, yeah. Uh, but he had. But now, and sometimes it's it's your fault. Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it's the way that the game is going, and uh, or the season's going, and you just got to ride with it, bro. So it's I, I I think the Cowboys win, and I just because you look at what the Raiders have done in recent weeks, and they have just struggled so much on both sides of the ball. Their offense has really struggled to move the ball. They've turned it over a lot. Again, in their last three games, they've scored 16 points, 14 points, and 13 points. I think that this is a 31-17 Dallas win. Dang, dude. I think, uh, you know what? I was trying to remember what I picked in the Dallas Morning News, and I think I picked Dallas 31 and the uh, the Raiders 23. Okay. So we're similar. You got them scoring about maybe two more field goals, maybe even a touchdown more than me. But yeah. I, I think the Cowboys win, get back on track, and then we'll move forward to that Thursday nighter against the Saints. The other thing that I wanted to get into here, and you know, doing the podcast is interesting because we don't have the ability really to take calls. We put out tweets sometimes, and we try to read some of your comments and whatnot. But especially after games is where I find Twitter to be fascinating. And so I, I just, I wrote like an essay almost, and I'm not going to read it word for word, but just some of my thoughts. And I thought this was interesting that there seems to be this amazing, and I get the disappointment, but there seems to be this amazing give up on a seven and three team. And, <laughs> you know, I had a couple of people who, after our last podcast that we put out when the on Sunday night that we recorded that most of you listened to on Monday is a handful of people reached out. You guys are just making excuses. You guys are like just all this stuff. And I said, okay, look, here's the deal. The, if you needed it to be said, the offense was shit. Dak was shit. The offensive line was shit. The receivers <laughs> were shit. Okay. That's, that's reality. And so what is also reality is that out of the 10 games this year, we have seen the Cowboys take a dump twice and be a pretty damn good football team eight times. Right. And so I, to me, I focus on the really good because this is, to me, this is the NFL. This is reality. The reality is, and this is where people go, well, you're just making excuses. This is a fact. And I don't know that facts are making excuses. The fact is when a team misses Tyron Smith, Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory, all in one game, and, and you can even throw Tank in kind of like we had talked about at one point it becomes when you have that much money out of your lineup, it's a struggle. And then people say like, for instance, well, Dak should be able to overcome that. Okay. Okay. So how come Pat Mahomes couldn't overcome it last year in the Super Bowl when his two starting tackles were out? Yeah. Because Pat Mahomes is better than Dak. How come Mahomes couldn't overcome it? Well, well that, that, that's the, see, and then it becomes, you change the narrative and it, it, that's what drives me nuts. Now the narrative is forever changing, but, but I tend to, I try to look at it even simpler than that, bro. Because it, it's it's if you if you look at it, it even simpler, the people who get it will get it, and the and the people who don't, well, they were never going to get it. And that's just this, man. Hey, Matt, are you an all pro 
at your job every single day, every single time you step behind the mic, are you perfect? Uh, no. <laughs> and the reality is, all the people that say, hey, you got to do this, the reality is none of us bring it with 100% effort and 100% performance at our jobs on a daily basis. Well, I don't get paid that kind of money. Hey, it doesn't matter what kind of money you get paid, right, bro. Right. The people who are your bosses expect you to perform at a certain level. I mean, all of us who've ever had a job review, have you gotten every single job review you've gotten? You are the equivalent of exceeds expectations at every single level. So none of us have ever had a perfect review. I mean, your boy, me, your boy, the only person to ever in 156 years or whatever long it's been at the Dallas Morning News to go from intern to general columnist. I had a review my second or third year at the Morning News that said I was neither a skilled writer nor reporter. That's your boy, dog. Mm -hmm. So if I could have a bad month or a bad year or a bad review, I'm sorry. You guys got to understand that your players, your quarterbacks, they're all human. They're going to have a bad day. Real quick, was Josh Allen any good in that Buffalo butt kicking that they took from Indianapolis? Tom Brady has stunk two of the last three weeks. Six TDs, four picks. How about Pat Mahomes? He went through a seven-game stretch with 14 TDs. Nine interceptions thrown for less than 300 yards a game. Dude, it happens. They're not perfect. And you just got to ride with it and understand that. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, the other thing, and again, it, some of this is, it's hard on Twitter because you don't get tone. You don't get inflection. You, you're limited in what you can character-wise say. And then like you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I'm like, okay, I've had enough. Where it'd be nice right. to have an actual conversation, but that's not the way it works. So it becomes a one-sided conversation, but it's our podcast. So here's the conversation, you know, and I kind of talked about this, like the success that the Cowboys had actually had in November and December with, in I can't remember who it was, who was tweeting at me. It was a uh, Muhammad or yes, yes, something like that. right. And, and he was talking about this and it was weird because he literally says in his conversation it feels like in weeks 11 through 17, they fall out. And I say, well, the Cowboys are 71 and 41 with Romer and Dak starting in the last 15 years. And then he goes, yeah, but they were four and five and 17 and 19 and seven and two and 16 and 18. So that skews it. It's like, what? No, it doesn't. Like, here's the thing. When the Cowboys are good, they tend to, I know this is weird. They also tend to be good in November and December. When they're not good, they tend to not be good in November and December. But this whole thing that they have these seasons where they start strong and just completely fall off the table, it, it, it just isn't there. I don't uh, – that's just your boy here. I don't get caught up in any of that for one reason. Um, I'll give you some – I'm talking about the collective view. I give the collective view some latitude here and there. But I just um, – I don't like mixing – like I don't care about the last 15 years. I care about – the Jason Garrett era, or I care about the Bill Parcells era, right. or I care about the Wade Phillips era, or I care about the year and a half that Mike McCarthy's been here. Because the teams change 40 to 50% every single year. And so while one coach is there, you can get a feel for what he likes and what he holds important and dear to him. But after that, bro, it's, everything has to really start anew in terms of how you judge teams. 
because everything's different. Even if the same core is there, they're surrounded by completely different dudes most years. But that's just me. Right. And and so, you know, this is where the narrative gets changed because I, I just addressed that one comment. And then he goes, well, I was talking about the playoffs. Okay, well, that's not weeks 11 through 17. It, that's a different conversation. Obviously, the Cowboys have not achieved anything in the playoffs, and they've been a model of mediocrity for the most part over the course of the last 25 years. And then, of course, and, and a couple of you guys mentioned this. It wasn't just him. This was from more than one person. He goes, y'all mentioned the Bills and Titans and others, Green Bay, Tampa, have lost two of their last three and have bad losses, but they've beaten playoff teams. The Cowboys have yet to do this this year. Am I wrong? And I said, yeah, you're wrong. The Cowboys, actually, when you look at it, the Cowboys have beaten the Patriots. We all forgot about that. Cowboys went into New England and beat a Patriots team that currently leads the AFC East. They also beat the Vikings, who would currently be in the playoffs. And they beat another team who would currently be in the playoffs as well. They have the Saints. So I I say this, and he goes, I love you, man, because you always have a comeback. This year, those are somewhat competitive teams. I was like, I literally answered your question. As a matter of fact, Green Bay and Tampa, they've only beaten one team that would currently be in the playoffs, and Arizona's only beaten two. Cowboys have beaten three. And then he changes the narrative and goes, well, I kind of meant from last year. Okay, well, if that's the case, the Saints are coming up on Thursday night after this. They won their division and were 12-4 and last year, so that win will impress you. You have the NFC East champion Washington football team twice. That win will impress you. And then beating Arizona later in the year won't because they didn't make the playoffs last year. They were 8-8. Eight and eight. So people, they're always changing the narrative. Dude, it changes fairly frequently, man. And so you have to, you have to get that. You got to understand it. But, you know, a lot of it's just because these fans are very passionate. They're very frustrated over 25 years of not getting to the NFC Championship game. And I told you, they've been scarred and triggered from what they've seen in the past. And there's a couple more that I just wanted to throw out because – Again, there's a term that we talk about. We would talk about this in radio all the time called selective listening, you know, where people kind of, they, they hear you talking, but every once in a while something, they'll catch something and it becomes what it is. So Victor tweets in, he says, the show sounds like a parade of excuses for Dak. Steele didn't block anyone, sure, but Dak needs to hold on to the ball. He fumbles a lot. And I pointed out to him, I literally quote tweeted back. I said, I I don't know what you heard, but I gave him three examples of you and I from the Sunday podcast, basically ripping the offense and Dak. And I said, you know what? He does fumble a lot. And he said, I think that's the ball carrier's fault. And I always think that's interesting with the quarterback. Dak is second in the NFL with eight fumbles. Only Justin Fields has more. Kyler Kyler Murray has seven. He has four lost fumbles, which is tied with Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence. Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have three lost fumbles. They're right behind Dak. And I think this is interesting because I think there are times with the quarterback that I would put it on him. But I also right. think it's fair if the quarterback's in the pocket and because there's an alarm in every quarterback's head, and it's usually around three seconds, right? where you believe I can stand here for two and a half, and then that alarm starts to go, I got to get out of here. But if you're in the pocket and that alarm hadn't gone off and your line gets beat so bad that some dude hits you quicker than that and you fumble the ball, it, it's hard for me to say you had the ball in one hand and you fumbled it because your line didn't protect you. A lot of the times I blame the line for that fumble. Now, if he's out of the pocket and he's trying to run with the ball and fumbles it, then yeah, it's on him. I think most of the time we can look at it and tell whether you want to blame the quarterback or you want to blame somebody else for the fumble. Right. You know, if you get blindside hit by a linebacker, usually that's not the quarterback's fault. But then sometimes it is because you should have made your protection adjustment or you should have known that that guy was coming free. Right. Uh, but in general, we can look at the game and figure out who should be blamed on something like that. 
And then the other thing, and, and this is, again, I'm not trying to pick on people, but it, it's hard when you're on Twitter and you have these back and forth, and it's just easier to address some of this on the podcast. So Brian tweeted us, he says, maybe we just see with our own eyes that which others can't. This organization is the walking epitome of the definition of insanity, doing the same things repeatedly and expecting different results, key injuries at crucial times, players getting suspended, etc. And I thought, key injuries at crucial times? You think they're purposely trying to do that? Like, that is such a random thing that happens. Now, you could argue the players getting suspended. They've drafted guys in the past that have a history of that, and to some degree, the injury, because they've drafted guys in the past that have had an injury of that. But like, for instance, the Dak injury last year, the dude hadn't missed a thing his entire NFL career. Like, I, I don't think that that's, I don't, how do you blame the organization for that? Dude, those are just, again, bitter, angry, frustrated fans. I mean, nobody sits around and tries to get hurt. Even my man, Sean Lee, who's hurt all the time. It's not like he tried right. to be hurt. Tyron Smith has missed three games each of the last five years, six years. He hadn't tried to be hurt. It's just, it's a hard game, man. Why do you think these guys look like shit when they've been retired for 10 years? It's a hard, physical, violent game, brother. And the reality of all of this goes back to the, it was like when I would address the Dak hate hive. I think they can win. I think this is a good football team. There are really good, hell, the New England Patriots had one of the best teams we've ever seen. They didn't win a Super Bowl. A lot has to go your way, but I do believe you have to have a good football team to get in the playoffs and give yourself an opportunity. And I think this team has that chance. You know what? This team may go and lose again in the divisional round of the playoffs. I don't think that means that they're repeating and that this franchise is insane and that they weren't any good. When you get to a certain point of the season, there's a lot of other teams that are also going to be at that point in the season, and they're also going to be really good. I think the deal is, man, it's it's so incredibly hard to win that you, you got to understand that. And, you know, I told you that this is the year where they need to take advantage of having what I think is going to be the best team that they're going to have in several years and get the thing done. Um, they're still they lost this week. They didn't play good on offense. They played really good on defense. Everything that they want to happen, everything that they want to accomplish, everything that they hope to have come true at the end of the season. Dude, it's all available and right there for. And so you just got to you gotta keep it all in perspective, which is hard to do in an NFL season. But if you do, then the Cowboys got everything in front of them. Man. I just told y'all they should win the next five. That's just me, but that's what they should do to me. Yeah, and even if they go four and one in their next five. Now, if they go one and four, then we're going to have a different conversation. And yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and rip the team more than anybody. But I'm not going to rip a team who's seven and three. I, should they have played better against Kansas City? Yes. It was colossally disappointing. Dak was not good. Again, for those that are deaf, Dak was not good on Sunday. Neither was anybody else on the offense. That's and fact. I, wrote, I don't know how else you, well, you guys are blaming other people. It's Dak. Well, okay. I guess if you want to act like Dak is the only reason why they lost the game, that's fine. Dak sucked. The entire offense was trash. Well, hell, your boy wrote a column about it in Dallas Morning News that you can find online or on my Twitter feed about how Dak's got to play better, and he had two throws that uh, really altered the game, in my opinion. You know, to me, honestly, it was like you were expecting to get some bruised biltong, and you went outside, and you didn't get it, and you're like, oh, no, what did I order? Because there is only one bruised biltong. And when Dak is on, he's as damn good as bruised biltong. You're like, what the hell? What are you talking about, bruised biltong? Well, it's like beef jerky. 
but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. I think it's crazy much better. They've got multiple sizes. You can get snack bags for yourself. If you get one of those, two-ounce bags that are 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. I have been talking about this now for the beginning of November when we started doing it with them. Bruce Biltong is, I can't stop eating it. I have legit, I am now on my sixth eight-ounce bag of Bruce Biltong in the last, what is this, 24 days or whatever? Damn. I mean, I thought I was going through it. Bro, you've passed me by quite a bit. I love it. It's the best snack. It's healthy. It's, there's no sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. When you order at bruisebiltong.com and use the promo code JAM15, you get 15% off your order. What could be better? Nothing. Exactly. Bruise Biltong. B-I-L-T-O-N-G. When you go to the website, here's how you get there. B-R-U-S Biltong. BruiseBillTong.com. Again, that promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your orders. I'm telling you guys, if you like beef jerky at all, you are going to absolutely love Biltong. Let's check in. We do it every week. As you know, he is brought to you by BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Longtime ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer. And, and Arch, coming off the loss to Kansas City, before we get into the Raiders and the Thanksgiving Day game, what... What did you make of that 19-9 loss where the Cowboys can't even get a touchdown? Yeah, I, I thought they had a – this probably isn't the right word. I'm not going to explain it the right way. I thought they had a scared game plan. I, I thought they they showed Spagnolo too much respect going into the thing and, and all these screens and short passes and get it out to action quick. And, and it, look, I know I'm going to sound like an idiot because he was sacked five times and they couldn't block Chris Jones, but – even their run game, like it was just the only run that actually worked was the Wildcat deal with Pollard. Like it was just beat your head against the wall stuff. It, where, there was no misdirections. There's no scissors. There was no kind of stuff that, that, that throw them a, a, a pursuit defense off. And it was just, a, it was just a, I, and I'm not, and you guys know this, I'm not a guy, well, that play sucks. You should have called that one. I think that's like ridiculous second guessing. But I thought the plan overall just wasn't sharp. And that surprises me because, you know, we can go through the first nine games of the season and say, oh, wow, this is really good game plans all the way around. My friend would be able to say, they need to run the ball. Well, we're on week one against Tampa where they didn't run the ball at all. And they, they lost by two points or three points, whatever the heck it was, to the Buccaneers. You're not saying they should have run the ball that game because they couldn't run the ball. And this one, they couldn't run it either, so they went to the back, so... But I, I thought they—I thought it was a scared game plan. That's interesting. Why do you think it was a scared game plan? Because it's not like we thought so much of uh, Kansas City's defense, right? Yeah, and you know, Bad knows their defensive coordinator, the reputation they have for throwing these different blitzes and looks at you, and it's the first time you know Kellen might have gone against the first time he was in that stadium, and thing. It's a, I don't know. It, it but you're right. It, it wasn't a. It wasn't like anything we had seen before. And, you know, usually, you know, for the Cowboys, they've been along the lines of, we don't care what you do. You're not going to stop us. So, F you. Here we go. <laughs> and I right, thought right. this one. Do you guys see what I'm – Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, maybe I'm just seeing it wrong, but do you guys semi-agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. No, yeah. Sorry. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thanks for the pause. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, see, Matt and I were each giving each other time to come in. No, I, I mean, I think, it, it, I mean, when Zeke gets nine carries and probably gets seven, and you don't really try to run the ball the way that, you know, they've been running it up for most of the year, uh, you're definitely uh, entitled to second guess. Especially when you when your passing game was no good, and not like the passing game was good on Sunday. So you want to rely on that. The passing game was trash in just about every area Sunday. So if you were ever going to say, you know what, let's give the run just a little extra time to see if it gets cranked up, then it would have been the other day. But but I think the, I, I think the run they could have run it a hundred times with the plan that they went into for that game of how they wanted to run it and knock out a hundred yards. Like I just think the plan was bad. It wasn't. It was just runs up the middle and runs up the – you know what I mean? There was nothing really inventive to their run to move guys around or to get them moving laterally that you can just zone them and then, you know, use their momentum against them and cut back and things like that. It, it just – even the run plan in the 16 runs, well, aside from the Pollard 31-yarder, mm. was kind of meh. There was really nothing behind it. Do you think that they were blindsided in a sense by Tyron not playing? No. No, not at all. It, it, the notion that he was going to play last week, I think, was um, misplaced. I don't think – I think he really – he was available for those practices, but he really didn't do much in those practices, the way it was explained to me. And, and so I never really got on the – he's expected to play against the Chiefs. I think it was more like, all right, let's see if we can get by another game without him against the Chiefs because do we really want him to come back five days later and have to play a second game when let's when he's not played in, in so long? That's probably not the wise thing to do. So I don't think they went into that week, certainly not Saturday night, thinking Tyron was going to play. I think the warm-up that he did was kind of like Dak's warm-up before Minnesota. They knew he wasn't going to play, and they knew they, and they, but they still put him through all that stuff just to – you know, maybe throw Minnesota off, or or maybe just keep keep hope alive a little bit. But <laughs> I, I don't think they went right. into that Kansas City game thinking, "Hey, Tom, Tom's going to play in this one." This one, he's playing. What happened to Dak Prescott last week? Discombobulated, right? I mean, is that a good word for us? Um, he, I mean, he, I think the pressure got to him. Um, even you know, it wasn't. And again, I think part of it was the plan. They were expecting things, and the Chiefs were back out of it. And they were, were expecting other things, and here comes the, the pressure. And the line played well. We can probably count how many times Zach Martin had a, quote, bad game on less than one hand during his career with the Cowboys. And that, this right. would have been one of them. And so if Zach Martin has a, a day that makes you scratch your head, everybody's going to have a day. I, I would venture to guess. The only guy on offense that got a winning grade from that day was Tony Pollard. Like, who else would you say, okay, that guy did a good job? There wasn't anybody. You know what I'm saying? So it was on everybody. But I think with Dak, he got hurried. He got rushed. And, you know, the thing, he didn't have CD in the second half. He didn't have Amari the whole game. Um, things things change. And Dak is usually a, a guy who throws to the open guy. And no one was open. I think the blueprint that we talked about from two weeks ago against Denver or three weeks ago against Denver is play aggressive against the Cowboys wideouts and make them prove that they can beat you. Denver did it, right. and the Chiefs did it. And they they scored two touchdowns in those games, and 
those two touchdowns came with the Broncos leading so the game as well. Well, it feels like we're going to get more of that, though. But I don't know if Oakland – find me a dollar for Las that one. Vegas. I don't know if the Raiders have that personnel to do that. That's not their style. That's not their M.O. And, look, it's not Rod Marinelli's defense. It's Gus Bradley. But it's still a lot of the single high look and quick, name me the corners on the Raiders. Charles Woodson isn't there anymore, right? He's gone. <laughs> I think he's gone, yeah. Okay. Just a guy you know, who want to be a buster. You know, they've drafted some guys, but I can't. Well, who are they? I couldn't tell you. I have to look it up. A couple right. guys named Joe. So, and again, look, they, 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 you know, Mari's out this week. They're confident that CD can play on Thursday, but, you know, that's that's one hit that that he could be gone for that game too. So, um, now, now the Cowboys are down to a couple guys named Joe beyond Michael Gallup. So, you know, this is have an inventive run game. When it's not just the run game was bad last week, it's really kind of been the last three or four weeks that the run mm-hmm. game, run game's not been very yeah. good. Oh, well, by the way, Tyron Smith has missed three of those games, so I'm yeah, sure there's an element of that. Right, right. Yeah, right. There's got to be an element of that to it. Um, so his return helps, but when this Zeke said it today, when when this offense is at its best. They run the ball well, and, and that's true. They, you know, I'm not saying like run it 70 percent of the time because you got to throw to score points, but but show some more ingenuity and balance early, score early, and then that opens up your run game as as you go on. We know the formula. We've seen it successful here with with Zeke since he got in town. So it's there's not there shouldn't be some mystery of what the Cowboys need to do uh, this week against the Raiders. I, th- I think we'll see a, we'll see uh, quite a bit of that um, as as they get as they get going. Um, Micah Parsons, man, does he has he impressed you more and more and more every time you see him? You know, they probably should have traded up to get one of those corners. If you think about it, I mean, <laughs> really, they just wasted their. What, what were they doing? You trade down and get the guy. I mean, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I mean. I'll, DeMarcus Ware had a really good rookie year in, in, in 2005, but he reached eight sacks by getting three in the last game against Carolina, if I'm remembering that right. So this guy has been on fire from the beginning, and he had a little bit – the most impressive thing – a couple things impressed me. A year ago this time, I asked him after the game, what were you doing last November? Playing Xbox? Training? <laughs> the dude wasn't even playing football, like, and he's coming out here and, and doing this. He doesn't even train full time as a defensive end or a, or a pass rusher, and he's doing this. And, and maybe the most impressive thing is, you know, that the, the New England game. He didn't play well, or he didn't feel like he played well, and he changed his mo. Where, hey, I'm going to show up earlier and get in to get more treatment and start breaking things down and be with the coaches and and what have we seen in the last three games? He's got five and a half sacks. Like, if you just take his last three games, he leads the Cowboys in sacks. Right? I think I think Randy Gregory has five. Um, right. The guy's been phenomenal. And I'm interested to see whenever he gets up for a new contract, if we're at the final year, the Cowboys say, well, if he can't get a deal done, we're going to franchise tag it. <laughs> well, I'm sure as heck he'd rather be franchise tag is a defensive end yeah. and it's an inside linebacker. <laughs> no so, doubt, yeah. 
Well, look, I don't think they'll get to that point. I, I think they'll, they'll if he if he keeps trending in this direction, he's the guy that you go to before you get to that fifth year option stuff that you need to even worry about. What do you expect to see on Thursday against the Raiders? Do you do you see this being kind of what they did against the Falcons coming in, playing pissed off, you're at home, clean things up and, and bounce right back? Um yes, to a degree. And the only reason I do the two degree on these you're not really practicing this week. You have two kind of BS sessions out there for an hour or so. So it's really hard to set a tone and, and get yourself physically ready the way you would if you were a week between games. So, you know, I don't think this is a game like we've said in the past. Like, if you win this one five to three, good on you because it's a win and you just needed to win. I, I don't think they necessarily need style points in this one to re- rejuvenate the confidence that other people will have in them. But I do, th- but, I, but I don't think they can scuffle along and win this one 17-13, and then we're going to be thinking, all right, legit team in the NFC. And that's what we kind of talked about last week, that these, these three games would determine if they're a legit team in, in, the, in the conference, or like a legit Super Bowl, okay, you can actually see them in L.A., or a team that has to fight and scrap their way to maybe get to the divisional round or an NFC title game. Uh, that, that, that's where we were getting at last week when we discussed it. Mm. But I think they need to... They don't have to win 43-3, but I don't think they can win 17-13 either and, and feel good about it. Now, I mean, I think that's fair, Doc. I mean, I think when you look at it, they're actually – I realize, this, you know, they got these road games coming up. But when you look at the Raiders and the Saints and um, – who's that? Washington, the Giants, Washington. Dude, you're really looking at – you really need to win the next five <laughs> – because you're better than all those teams, you just need to play your best football and then go into Arizona with with a twelve and three record. And I, you know, I just think that's what it is. Because I, I don't think the Saints are all that good, even though it's it's on the road. But it starts with uh, with Vegas and taking care of them. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, they, they've talked about it. And Zeke even mentioned how you know the division and where the yards. Like, look, you're not going to sit. You don't want to get ahead of Thursday, but. We know we got a lot of division games left, and that's why this one matters. And, you know, if you can keep stacking some wins, oh god, did I just really say that? If you can keep putting wins together before you get to those division games, you can cement the division race, you know, pretty quickly. Like, there are some people. I think he was actually asked today about you think Philadelphia is kind of, you know, pushing you now. You know, what aren't, aren't they four and six? What's their record? Yeah, yeah, they have a losing record. I mean, so it's almost like they're doing what the Cowboys did last year when, except every team in the division was terrible. So, like, you remember, like, the Cowboys got hot there, the Giants got a hot for a spell, and they fell back, and the Giants fell back, and eventually a 7-19 won it. Clearly, uh, the Cowboys will be better than that, and they'll be the only team above 500 in my view. But this one matters more for, like, mojo than anything else, right? I mean, you can't you can't lose to the Raiders. You can't lose on Thanksgiving. You can't lose three or four right, yeah. to be considered a legit team. Yeah, you got to yeah. have this one. You, you got to have this one and pick up some momentum. And, you know, like you talked about, as you just mentioned, Todd, last week, how, how important this three-game stretch was. You've already lost the first one. You're better than the Raiders, and you're better than the Saints. 
And you should be able to go, and whether it's on the dome or not, who cares? You, you should be able to go. And I think that's the thing with Dak is Dak's going to be the better quarterback in both these games, but he has to play the way that we have seen him play the majority of the season and not obviously like he did against Denver or like he did against Kansas City. And when Dak shows up, this is a different team. And as we've seen, I mean, it's night and day. And, you know, it does, you know, you can think about the calf strain and it's still bothering and all that. When he plays poorly, you have to think of something because he's not a guy who puts a lot of poor games together. He's not, that's just not been his MO since he got here. He had a right. tough stretch as a rookie. He had a tough stretch uh, in, before they traded for Amari when they couldn't get the 200 yards. But I don't know if we aren't, if we put it all so much on him as it was what was around him. When I was at, you know, all these people around him and he developed so well that, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine. But if he has another one of these showings where you're like, what's wrong with him? It, maybe this calf thing is something, or maybe there's something else there, or maybe, you know, teams are figuring out, or, you know, Kellen Moore's offense has kind of been tied out a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that, but that's what would happen if they were to lose this week and then just be thankful that they don't play in the AFC West because they would gone one and three against the, the, that division. And <laughs> the only win was 20 to 17. That's the for 20 points in that win at, at LA. No, absolutely, bro. Yeah, th- this is, I think they're going to win. I, I think most people, you know, it's interesting, Todd, because a lot of people are freaking out about this loss when at the beginning of the year, a lot of people thought it would be very difficult to win on the road at Kansas City regardless. And then they go up there and try to do it without Tyron, without Amari, without Tank, without Randy Gregory. And all of a sudden, there's this idea that, well, watch out, two out of three. I mean, they just, Kansas City handled them pretty easily. They must not be that good. It's weird. Right. And, and that's the week to week nature of this league when you see these power rankings and you see, like, the, when I watch Get Up every week, it's, well, this team is not a good team. The Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC again. Or are they? They need a bad Giants team. Why are they the best team in the league? Like, in the best team in the conference. I, I think everybody kind of rides this little bit of wave, and it matters on when you're riding this wave. Maybe the Cowboys are in their little down spell, and this is a, a time where they kind of kick back up towards the end of the season and, and get hot. You look at the rest of the – I don't know who's good. I mean, Tennessee loses to Houston. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is this is the NFL. It's completely week to week. The, the best teams don't have stretches where you lose three and four. Three and, four. And, and this is where the Cowboys are at for for this one when they go into the Raiders. Again, like I said earlier, they don't – you don't want to win 17-13, but it doesn't need to be 43-3. to Well, I'll go to, like, next week at New Orleans. Hey, that's a game you can win 17-13 because you know Sean's going to have them ready, and they do have a good defense. And it, it, the, the last couple times when they've played the Saints, they, they've not put up, at least some remember this way, they've not put up a whole ton of points and yards against them. So that's a, win that one as ugly as you want and cool. But this is the one that, again, you, you better you better show a little something here this week or, or the, the eyebrows get a little more uh, raised. Oh, no doubt. I mean, this, this would be – totally different because it's still the belief of like you mentioned and i've been trying to tell people this the bucks the packers the rams have all lost two out of their last three now the cowboys have as you just pointed out in the afc the titans just got beat by houston the bills who a lot of people thought would be perhaps the best team in the afc this year have four losses and are behind in their own division to the patriots 
So it, it, it's one of those things. The only team that I still feel somewhat good about might be Arizona because they have been able to do it and float while Kyler Murray has been out. But outside of that, every single one of these other teams, every single one of them has a loss where you look at it and go, how the hell did that team lose to that team? Well, yeah, in Arizona last, they got smoked by Carolina. Right. So, and, and again, with, with the Cardinals, like if you want to say the Bucks are the best team in the conference right now, you're doing that because they have Tom Brady and a track record. You, you can't say that really about the, the Cardinals because – what have they done? And what has Coach Bro done? And, and, you know, so there's still going to be some questions when they into the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, it's – you say this every year, like, and you just go, hey, what about us, right? And if you're the Cowboys, that's – Parcells would say that in 06. Hey, what about us? And he maintains to this day that if they were to beat Seattle, they would have gone to Chicago and, and beaten Rex Grossman and the Bears and then in the NFC title game. And then – Hey, who knows what would have happened against uh, against John Payton in that one? After the you know Saints beat him beat him down pretty good, um, but yeah, this this thing is razor thin. The margin of victory, the margin of error, the margin of defeat. It it changes week to week, and your thoughts on who these guys are and what they can be. Again, we go into Kansas City thinking Cowboys are legit. They leave, they don't score a touchdown. You're like, huh. Man, what was that all about? Maybe they're not as good as we think. Um, all the warts showing back up. True that. As we look at the NFC East, which is Cowboys to win right now, Jason Garrett got popped today. You got any thoughts on that? I mean, it's not surprising, right? I mean, you look at, especially what they did against the, He wasn't fired because of what happened against Tampa Bay. Um, on Monday Night Football. He was fired because there's just not any any development. That's not all on Jason Garrett. I think the GM deserves a, a share of blame for – I don't want to say he didn't put assets into the offensive line. He did. He just didn't pick the right guys, right? And Nate Solder's just kind of a guy in their top five pick from a year ago made a hell of a catch for a touchdown, um, but doesn't seem to be a guy that you're ready to say, man, there's the next left tackle for a decade in New York. So – but I think we, we saw Jason's offense here when it was really good um, with the Cowboys, whether he was calling plays or not calling plays. And I think the big knock that Chuck, we've talked about this, Matt, we talked about this, is it doesn't create anything. Everybody has to win a one-on-one matchup. Jason yep. Witten had to win in an option route every time. Dave had to be the best athlete on the field to go up and get the ball. Curtis Williams had to make some great plays. Patrick Creighton, T.O. Bloodbath, whatever you want to say. There was never any, the scheme got you open. It was always relied on the athletic ability and the talents of the players that they had to get open. And, and that work, works really well when you have Dan and Michael Murray and Jason Witten and Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams and all these guys, and it's a fantastic offensive line. But when you need to have a fourth and one situation, in a key game in the third quarter against Tampa Bay, and you call it that play where you roll out to the short side of the field and you got nothing, I mean, you're not doing anything to kind of create situations to give you easy plays and easy easy pitch and catch situations. All right, Todd Archer, we appreciate it, man. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too, guys. All right, we'll Have see you. Is that, did I use that right, Jack? 
That's right. Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right. I'm good. All right, there he is. That's Todd Archer. As always, brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Do you need a car? You looking for one? Did perhaps something happen to your vehicle and you're like, well, now I got to get a new one? Well, you could do worse. I like a lot worse. If you, I, I say this all the time, but it's true. If you don't contact Deb and Blue Star Motor Group and at least include them in the conversation, you're going to just let yourself get ripped off. It is Blue Star Motor Group. You can call Deb at 817-881-4066. Superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. They're going to work out a deal for you, and they're oftentimes going to be able to give you a much better deal than a dealership because they have low overhead, and they want to have a win-win situation with the people that they sell cars to. Nah, man, they... uh... That's the that's the thing about it. It's all about win win when the contracts have been signed, the handshake is done. They want everybody to feel good about the situation. And you know, man, the thing I like about Deb is there's no middleman, there's no middle woman. She is the end all be all. Uh she's the person you can negotiate with. There's no finance manager, there's no hidden person who she's got to confer with. And that allows them to make the best deals. That allows her to make deals, man, because she's just she's just making it happen. And so uh, Blue Star Motor Group, they're great at what they do. And uh, I tell people all the time, hey, go call them up. See what Deb's got for you. It is Blue Star Motor Group, 817-881-4066. You can even shoot her a text if you're like, I don't like to talk on the phone. That's fine. Shoot her a text. Let her know what you're looking for. Or if you are looking to sell, they'll buy your vehicle and they'll be able to offer you more cash. Again, because they have low overhead. They're local. It's family. It is Blue Star Motor Group and bluestarmotorgroup.com. You know, I wanted to take a quick look at what he was talking about. And you guys were mentioning, we kind of all talked about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's really interesting what Philadelphia has done. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Detroit Lions, the Denver Broncos, and the New Orleans Saints. Their final five games before they play the Cowboys again, the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants, Washington. Now, they certainly win those five. I don't think they win all five of them. But no, it would but not could. surprise me if they go three and two or even four and one in that stretch to where right. you could be talking about a team potentially that's nine and seven fighting for a wild card playoff berth when they welcome in Dallas to close out the season that second weekend in January. Yeah, it's. Um, I tell folks all the time, man. And it, to me, it's like the Cowboys schedule the next five weeks. It looks pretty easy to me. In general, it looks like a stretch. They should go four and one, five and zero. Oh. But it's all about how do you play today, man. <laughs> and the thing for the, for the Eagles or anybody else would be maintaining the consistency so that you can play at a certain level week in and week out. Most teams can't do it, which is why you see some of these ridiculous scores that we see, like Houston beating Tennessee, the Colts waxing Buffalo. You know all that stuff. The Cowboys getting blown out by the Broncos. Mm-hmm. If you could figure out a way to be consistent, you'd make a lot of money. Yeah, you would. People on consistency, but it's almost impossible to do. No, and that's why we have only ever in the history of the NFL seen one undefeated team. Teams lose. A lot of teams lose multiple games and still win the Super Bowl, which which is I've always wondered why there is. I mean, this isn't college football. In college football, I would get it. If you're seven and three, you're like, damn it, that third loss, you're not, you don't have a prayer. That makes sense to me. Right, right. But in the NFL, I mean, my God, we've seen teams that are nine and seven go to the Super Bowl. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it, it, it's not about being the best version of yourself in week 11 or week 12. It's about being right. the best version of yourself. You know, Nate, when I was doing pregame stuff with Nate for the last few years when we were doing the radio station, you know, Nate would always, I would get so worked up about stuff and he'd be like, Matt, you know, settle down. I was like, Nate, I mean, this is big. He goes, yeah, but he's like, nobody knows anything till after Thanksgiving. He goes, he goes, playing in the NFL, he goes, nobody, until you get after the Thanksgiving game, then you start saying, okay, how do we want our season to be? He goes, that's when you start trying to figure out how you get momentum going for the playoffs. He goes, so what if you're good in week eight? What, so what if the Cowboys had won 19-9 over the Chiefs in week 11? I mean, honestly, the reality of it is when they get into this back part of the season and start getting into December, those final four or five weeks is really where you want to make hay and start picking up steam so that you can translate that into playoff success. Oh, Bill Parcells used to say it all the time, man. Yeah. Everything's about jockeying for position until the stretch run after after uh, November and uh, Thanksgiving Day. And so, you know, it's, it's no different for the Cowboys. You're trying to get everybody healthy. You're trying to get guys back. You're trying to find a rhythm, trying to find a groove, and then go make it happen. Uh, that's why I looked at their schedule and I go, there's really no good reason. If they play good football, why they shouldn't win their next five? I don't know that they will, but they're certainly going to be favored in the next five, and they got the talent to win the next five. Yeah, and then, of course, you close it out. You've got that Arizona game at home, and then you close out on the road at Philadelphia. And, and look, it, it is still because of the state of the NFC, and I know this will blow everybody's minds, because of the state of the NFC, the Cowboys are still in very good position to set up that game with Arizona for an opportunity to have one of the top parts. I mean, again, you have to have the number one overall seed now to have the first round by. And we'll see how it goes, but it, I just... It's interesting to me, well, if they play that way, you're right. And you know what? If Tyron Smith, Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory don't play the rest of the year, then the Cowboys aren't as good as they had been, because those are four of their best players. And anytime any team loses four of their best, well, the quarterback should overcome it. No, I mean, you go around the league, you lose four of your best players, chances are you're probably not going to go very far. No, that's all true. Now, my only, <clears throat> excuse me, my only uh, slight pushback on that is, and I've heard several people say it, so you're not, you're not alone by any stretch. Like, I don't really count Demarcus Lawrence because he ain't played all year. You can't miss what you ain't had this particular year. Um, well, and, and I, I would agree because I think point being the other three guys had been there. You can get over missing yeah. a guy or two, but when you're missing all four, like if Tank came back and Randy was out, right, then you're like, okay, well, then Cooper and Tyron come back. You're like, well, you're fine. You don't need all four of them, but if you're going to miss all four of them, that's a different story. Yeah, I, th I think it's, uh, I mean, it's clear that, that those injuries have played a role, um, but uh you know, I find it interesting that this is this is really an offensive team. <laughs> Excuse me. And so it's it's incumbent on the offense to play a certain way. And you know, to me, man, it's the offense was just trash, and that's it, that's even bigger than the injuries that they had. I mean, you got Tyron Smith over there, but Dak Prescott, if he makes two throws, it's a completely different game. That first one to Michael Gallup. Yep. And you go, that's the first one of the game. No, man, that's a tone setter. That's We don't care about the Chiefs. We don't care about your stadium. We don't care about y'all being fired up. We just bust your ass for 35 yards on the first place. Sit down and take a seat and don't get up till I tell you to. Yeah, you got to hit that. That's what that play was all about. Have to hit that. He was open. He, you have to yeah. make that pass. And maybe you score on that drive and you go up 7 nothing. Well, that's a completely different thing. doesn't mean you'll win. It's just the whole game is different. You know, and then at the end of the half, 
Uh, Michael Parsons blesses you with an opportunity. You're down 16-3. CeeDee Lamb maybe has a step. But the bottom line is if you throw it to the back of the end zone, either he catches it or nobody catches it. Yeah. Well, you threw it, you underthrew it just a tad for whatever reason and uh, gives uh, Chidarius Ward a chance to get his hands on it. He makes a fantastic play. And instead of being down 16-10 or even 16-6, he gets nothing. They're all fired up. And it's like, dude, those are the two plays you needed to make today. We understand that the receivers dropped four or five passes. We understand that you got hit eight times, sacked five times, you know, I think four or five penalties with the offensive line. We get all of that. But if you make those two throws, bro, the game's a hell of a lot different. It is. It, it, it is a different game. There's no doubt about that. So let's go ahead and continue on with the trip around the block here. And before we do that, let's tell you about a couple of our fantastic sponsors who, being Thanksgiving, we are obviously extraordinarily thankful for the sponsors that we have for helping to make the Jam Session podcast possible. Very thankful that all you guys have done such an amazing job in supporting our sponsors, which helps to continue the podcast into the future and helps it grow. One of those, of course, Freeway Tire Shop. Freeway Tire Shop with JR and his crew, those guys over there just north of downtown Dallas, right off of I-35. And it's one of those places you can trust. It's a mechanic that does the work he tells you that he's going to do. He backs up his work. Jacques's taken every car that he's ever had and has let JR do the work for him because you trust him and you know he's going to do what he's supposed to do. And, and that's hard to find in a mechanic. Dude. I mean, if you don't know how to fix cars, then you, you, you just don't know anything about them, though. And you wouldn't know whether it was fixed properly or not. I'm one of those guys. And so I rely on JR, man. And, uh, and I trust him because his work has been superior, man. But I rely on him to diagnose the issue, to use quality parts to fix the issue. To, how about this, man? How about you charge me a fair price? You don't have to gouge me. Just charge me a fair price. I'm willing to pay for it because I can't fix it myself. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, man, which every mechanic doesn't do. JR always does each of those four things. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about, an inspection sticker, uh, putting a new engine in the car, changing out your catalytic converter. It doesn't matter. Um, he gets it done and he takes care of things. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can request a quote, schedule your appointment online at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions. Foundations, this is one of those numbers that y- you hear us talk about. And you go, oh, I don't have to worry about that. And then you wake up one morning, you go, wait a second, wait a second. Matt and Jacques, they were talking about cracks. Oh my, oh, don't freak out. All you need to do is have this number so that you can call them. Even if you've had estimates in the past, call HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174. When you call them, it's going to be Aaron coming out personally so you know you're working directly with a local family-owned business that cares. They now offer quick and easy third-party financing. And the best part about this, it is a free, no-obligation inspection. So if you're not sure and you start seeing some new cracks or you notice some of those signs of foundation problems, you trust me on this. With foundations, you are much better safe than sorry by giving them a call. Dude, it's the colonoscopy for your house. We call it that for a reason, brother. You go, get, let Aaron and HFX check your house out. Get a clean bill of health, man. You do that, you ain't got nothing to worry about. It's time to pop some bottles. You got nothing. But if he does check it, they do find something. Chances are, dog, they find it early in the process, which means whatever the cost is, it ain't going to be nearly as much 
is if they find it at the end. That's exactly right. You want to make sure that they get it taken care of. So let them walk you through the whole process. If you need help, you're in good hands with HFX Foundation Solutions, A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. You can give them a call, 817-770-0174. Online, hfxfoundation.com. So this trip around the block, I found a couple of things I wanted to throw out. Did, did you see this story of... This is a really weird story. So a, a, a youth football team in Flower Mound, did you see how they are not allowed to be in the playoffs because they're saying they're too good? Well, I mean, you can't outscore people, what was it, 198 to 7? <laughs> and so, well, like the interesting part about this, so I had kind of seen this story a little bit, and then one of our listeners, Michael, had sent me, he goes, I would love to hear Jam Session's thoughts on this. And so what it is is like during COVID – this is a football team from Flower Mound, and it's a seven and eight year old team. They were they had a perfect record and were kicked out of the playoffs for being too good. But the thing of it is, is that because Flower Mound didn't have enough teams to field during COVID, they joined the league from Keller. So originally they said, "Well, this is a Keller league, not the Flower Mound league. You've dominated our league, and you can't play." Now the interesting thing is the dude who kicked them out and kind of drove the vote on this he coaches in the league and his team had lost earlier 33 to nothing to this team he said my team got one first down all game and my team is good and this is really interesting to me because I don't know how I feel about this like if you're getting dominated you let them in the league and now because they're too good for you you don't want to like to me I would say well look you got to get to the end of the season sucks for you yeah I'm uh I don't know enough about the league like um, when my dude was playing youth football, like you could only like you could only weigh so much if you were in the backfield, so you can't have you know refrigerator Perry in the backfield running over everybody. Yeah. Um, and you know there's some other rules in place like that to keep the competition um, fairly even amongst all the teams. Now I do know there's and so I do know there are some leagues where it's kind of open competition, and you know if you want a two two hundred pound running back as an eight year old, then you can do that. But it doesn't sound like it's that kind of league in Flower Mound. And so if they just got a bunch of guys who are eight years old, man, and they all fit the, you know, the age requirements and everything else, and they're just whooping your head, um, you just kind of got to deal with it, man. Because my dude's first year, there was a team called the Falcons, man. Bruh. <laughs> it was just yeah. a long day whenever you played those cats. And they had all the certifications and everything. Well, see, and that's what is interesting about this is because the coach of this really good team is a lady named Reagan Montero, and she's basically pissed because she's like, well, they're trying to change the rules, and it's not fair to my kids. She says that of her 17 players, only seven had ever played football before, that they didn't really understand it, that there's kid, there's kids on her team that didn't really know the game when they first started. And so now it becomes a whole thing where they're trying to figure out something. They're going to allow them to play their final game this weekend, but told them they won't be allowed in the playoffs. Montero says her team's success is because of hard work. She's never tried to run up the score, and it's a confusing lesson for her players trying to learn about what's fair. I got to hear more. I don't know how they got – that doesn't strike – that doesn't sound right to me that, I, you know – is she playing a semantics game? Like, I've got players on here who, you know, just learn to play, don't really know the yeah. rules. Well, those are guys who don't play. <laughs> you know what I mean? What about the guys who do play when a game starts? 
And I say this because um, at that level, man, it's hard to score that many points with a bunch of kids who who ain't never played the game. Yep. Um, at that level, it's seven and eight. It is just because it just. Now you can have one guy who's really dynamic, and maybe that's your whole team. But if the whole team is like that, uh, it just seems odd. I'm not saying she's lying by any stretch. I just said it seems odd that you could have a bunch of guys who never played football before, and they show up and beat people. You know, as seven and eight year olds, you know, one ninety six to seven or whatever their whatever their total is. But it's enough to almost almost make me want to go watch them. Yeah, I don't. I, and again. I'm not going to ask you, Matt. Yeah. Don't it seem stupid that you played the regular season but not the playoffs? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, you let them play. Like, you didn't stop them at one point and go, hold on a second. Like, we don't believe that you guys are fitting the parameters of what this league is supposed to be. So you let them play the entire regular season. Oh, never mind. Can't be in the playoffs. You're too good. Bro, this is why I started taking pictures when my kid was playing youth football. Man, parents ruin everything. Yeah, and, and so who the hell knows what the – see, and, and I think you're right. It feels like there's more to this. Like, there's got to be something else. All you can read is the quotes that are in these news stories and kind of go from there, but it feels like there's got to be something else here. But right now, that's all we have. Yeah, so you just got to ride with it. But it seems weird to me, bro. It does seem just, weird. Just a little weird. So the other thing that I have for you, we kind of talked about food the other day in these bougie restaurants. Well, I found this article in the Dallas Morning News, (laughs) and this is nuts, man. These seven restaurants in Dallas selling the most expensive food. So how about this? So, and and I'm, I'm a big fan of sushi, man. I like sushi a lot. There is a sushi place in Dallas. I had never heard of this until this, and it's on Lowest Greenville. It's called Shoyo. Just yes. to get in, it is $175 per person. It doesn't matter. It's, it's That's what it is. It, it only has 12 seats. So if you take a date, it's $350 minimum. Wow. Just to get started with only their 12 seats. How wild is that? Dude, I'm, I'm, left, for, I'm left without words. For sushi. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, you, know, you don't have to worry about certain element at those prices. I mean, that is on a level that I am unfamiliar with. Now, that is very bullshit. It is. Georgie, which is by Curtis Stone, it's Georgie by Curtis Stone near the Park Cities. They have a bone in ribeye that weighed 42 ounces, costs $495. (laughs) Dude, I thought you got to tell me like $200. $495 for a bone-in ribeye. My god. For a steak to I, eat. To I can eat. Get one at, I can get one at Costco, bro, for like 20 bucks. I'm going to tell you right now, if somebody <laughs> wants to give me $1000, I will eat $400 of it and keep the other 600 and then that's $95 cheaper than the steak that I would have had. Wow. Think about that. So there's some of these other ones on here are weird as well. Like, oh, what was that? The Salt Bay restaurant that we talked about, Nursery, Nursery, Nursert or something. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Nusere. Nusere. You guys know what I'm talking about. Whatever. So anyway, this is the one that has the gold crusted short ribs that are $875. And they have the 24 karat Istanbul steak that is $1,300. You in? This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable, bro. Monarch in downtown Dallas. 
Monarch, which oh, is on the in Dallas. This the, is ridiculous. The 49th floor of a renovated development in downtown Dallas. You can get caviar for two hundred and thirty dollars. Oh, I forgot. You want to get a tomahawk steak? I've got. They've got one for you, yeah. Jacques. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a forty-five day dry aged tomahawk steak, and it's two hundred and forty dollars. Where is it at? Monarch in downtown Dallas. How many ounces is it? I don't know. It doesn't say. It just it, it whatever it is is two hundred and forty dollars. Dude, I, or, I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing else with it. I just want the steak. If you really want to splurge, they do a special tableside Alaskan king crab meal for one thousand dollars. And I'm a pass for sure. <laughs> I mean, what I don't are we have doing to think about that one? This is so insane that you just walk into a restaurant like yes. I'll have the $1,000 crab, please. And <laughs> that person over there looking at me, tell them to turn their head. I mean, my God. Now, so, Nick and man. Sam's, I've never eaten at Nick and Sam's, but I know people who have. It's very famous for, like, that's the place in Dallas where if you want to see a lot of the athletes eating and stuff like that or celebrities and people that are filming right. shows and whatnot, they, they go there a lot. Part of the reason is because apparently in reading this article, they'll like if you try to go up and talk to one of the athletes or the celebrities they'll ask you to leave that makes sense and so it's a place where they can go and just you know you can look at them and be like oh my god over there is dirk or whoever it is great but everybody i think is is probably familiar with nick and sam's and how that can cost a pretty penny true that but i just thought some of these other restaurants that i had never heard of you know they talk about it in the article about how dallas has become and is kind of on the verge as they develop more and more of these that they have more. They, they're called ultra expensive restaurants, and there's more of them in Dallas now than there ever has been before. <laughs> Maybe Who knew so many rich people were living here, bro? Isn't that nuts? Wow. It's unbelievable. And so they say that. So the dude who runs the Nick and Sam's, he says it's totally different even than five years ago, says that. Even now, people will come in and don't hesitate to upgrade to like a $200 bottle of wine on a special occasion. And even though America's income quality gap is widening, so obviously people that are eating at these restaurants are what the article calls the super rich, they do say that middle-class diners are spending more as well when they go out to eat. You know, I, um, I was trying to think about it. You know, I spent $800 at dinner for... There's probably eight people, seven people, maybe. Well, see, I don't think that's uh, crazy, but it, because that's seven people. That's, you know, $100 yeah. per pop. I mean, that makes sense to some you degree. Know, but, I mean, it, it just kind of depends. Like, if I tell you I've been talking about getting a tomahawk steak yeah. for whatever reason, at some point I'm going to go get one, and then that day I'll know that, you know, I'm going to have this steak and this lobster mac and probably some steamed broccoli, and I'm dropping, you know, two or 300 that day, but I'll – write it off and talk about my experience on the show <laughs> <laughs> look at you that's now, the way to do it, it though no why you bs and that that is the way to do i mean it. that is the uh, way honestly matter of fact that's uh that's really how you should do it if you have uh, any type of legitimate business and uh matt and i both have legitimate businesses uh but that's the way to do it bro and that's um i just haven't figured out the time today the place to do it but i'm going to do it you know what maybe i'll do it for my double nickel birthday maybe you should that's not about it you could go if you'd like speaking of nick and sam's you can go to nick and sam's and you can get what they call it's a it's a sample platter of eight cuts of wagyu beef 
And wow. it's eight hundred dollars. Eight cuts. I was gonna say, bro, when you it's, said eight cuts, I was like, dude, I bet that's five, six hundred dollars. It's called the stairway to heaven. Eight cuts of Wagyu beef for eight hundred dollars. Or if if you'd rather tone it down a bit, you can go to Monarch and have a tasting of the chef's best dishes, which will run you five hundred and eighty dollars for two people. You know what's you know what's interesting about that, man? What? See, you're laughing, but I'm telling you just so and, and much. I, I told you I was gonna do this. It's as you as I as I shift in my life from things like, oh, I want this eighty inch TV and oh I want this car and I want this watch or whatever, whatever it is that tickles your fancy. It then becomes about I want these experiences. You know, I want to go to Costa Rica or I want to go you know, zip lining in Hawaii or whatever whatever your deal is. But some of it is if you're a foodie, I wanna go. You know, spend this four hundred dollars for a meal. Yeah, at at Monarch. I mean, I ain't going every month. Maybe I go three times a year to different fancy restaurants if that's your thing. But I think the experience, if you got the pocketbook, is kind of worth it. See, I could see that the experience of that. I could see that making sense. Yeah, you're not just going for the food. Right, you're going right. for the entire experience from the valet to the maitre d to to everybody but you know damn you know and knowing matt mclaren you know the problem with an 800 steak is you know you got to spend 160 dollars on the tip so yeah that's it's that's the problem you know you've got to have quite a bit up there where it's uh okay all right so you're looking at that and you sit there and you say yeah because then if you have a $500 dinner, I mean, 20% of that, you know, that's another 100 bucks plus on top of that. Yeah. Again, you got to understand that when you right, when right. you do it. Yeah. I mean, you can't go out there and be cheap that night. Yeah, you would kind of know walking in that that's what you're getting into. And that's one thing. I mean, when I used to work at the Lonesome Dove down in the stockyards, we used to have people that would walk. I mean, it's just, it's the stockyards, right? It's not downtown Dallas. Right. It's the stockyards right. where people are walking around in boots and all kinds of different looks that they, they'd walk in thinking, oh, we'll just walk in here and grab something. And I, we would have, it, they would get price shock because they, they would come in and early, if you went early, you didn't have to have a reservation, but you right. sometimes you could walk in and get a table. And so people walk in like five o'clock, right when we first opened and they'd sit down and I'd give the menu. And I don't know, like one couple was like, well, what are, what are these numbers out beside them? I was like, well, that's the price of the item. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> And they were like, we'll just do water. And so I went to go back and, and get their water. And I came they back, were they were gone. Yeah. And that, that was when I first started working there. And I, I was like, hey, what happened to them? And somebody goes, oh, price shock. They, they had no idea what they were walking into. <laughs> they sat down and like, hey, we're not eating here. No, nah, dude, I've been, I've been looking at uh, Monarch's menu. So uh, you and your lady friend go and to share. So your appetizer, because you got to have an appetizer. You go, do you want the Spanish grilled octopus? The Spanish grilled octopus. Yes, uh, complete with confit potato, roasted almond, romesque, crispy, something. Uh, there's all, or you can get the wood of wood oven roasted tiger prawns at thirty eight bucks. Wood fired meatballs at eighteen, or frito misto for twenty, which is basically crispy calamari, shrimp, and some other stuff. Yeah, I feel like you're speaking a different language. <laughs> Is that English? What words are you speaking? No, it's English, brother. <laughs> Whole male lobster spaghetti for 65 bucks. Man. Okay. 
Okay. But see, the steak prices in, well, I was going to say, here's what they do. Like, the halibut is 44 The Dover sole is 49 The bronze sea scallops are 44 That, to me, sounds normal for an upper-end steakhouse. And then they hit you with the Bisteca a la Fiorentina for 180 which is your 40-ounce porterhouse charmed in the coals. And I always think about this. There ain't nothing I could do with a 40-ounce steak, bro. I'm going to eat about eight ounces and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know, man. It, like, at some point, I almost walk into pricey restaurants like that, and I'm like, okay, I do hope there's a little bit I can take home so I can make this two meals. <laughs> oh, I, I think that goes without question. That you that, know? That's part of the deal. Which I think is interesting. So, I don't know. We'll see how it rolls out. But yeah, that's if you're looking to spend a chunk of money in Dallas, man, that those are some places for you to go. Now, before we get into Ed Werder and our next conversation about the Cowboys, if you haven't gone and you haven't done this yet, this is something that you're going to need to make plans to do. Um, of course, you haven't gone yet because it's happening Friday. Fall Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills. It's local, it's family-owned, some of the best, if not the very best beer coming out of the state of Texas. They are doing their annual Black Friday Day. They are doing a flight of stouts, four separate dark beers on Friday, ready to roll. It is called the flight this year, the Stranger Things Black Friday event. It's all day long. It's not like you need a ticket or anything. Four different flavored stouts available in a flight and to go at False Idol Brewing on Black Friday, which if I was in town, I guarantee you I would be there because <laughs> their stouts are elite, elite level, elite level stouts. Oh, there's no doubt about that, man. I've, you know, I've got remember, return to the stack still in the fridge. I take one out about every four months because stouts you can leave in there a little bit longer, I think, Matt, and they maintain their flavor but uh dude false idol they're the best man the best stouts i've ever had they are man it's local it's family owned the beer is absolutely incredible so make plans if you're going to be out and about doing some black friday shopping or maybe you're just like okay that's what my wife does and i'm gonna i, I can't handle it then swing on to to false idol and you're gonna have a great time drinking some of the best beers you will ever experience over there just north of 183 right there off boulevard 26 in north richland hills also of course don't forget coming up this weekend as you know it is not just black friday but on saturday it's small business saturday and there's a brand new online women's boutique so ladies if you're looking for something for yourself this weekend you're doing some pre-christmas shopping maybe for some sisters or some daughters perhaps check out kinleyrose.com k-i-n-l-e-y rose.com makes great gifts for your lady for the holiday season upon you focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort again fantastic day small business saturday check them out on their instagram easy way to find them at shop kinley rose if you're looking for a cute new outfit for date night if you're looking maybe you're a guy and you're like me and you're like i don't know if i'm looking for one or not but i think she would like that you know just get on there and see what they got it's trendy it's fashionable ladies this is your thing so check them out it's online at kinleyrose.com a brand new online women's boutique just in time for the holiday season which is great everybody's looking for the jackets and the the cardigans and the sweaters and all that stuff that they've got. 
It is time, and you're in for a treat, because normally we, we talk with Ed on, on Thursdays for the podcast that drops on Friday, but of course, the Cowboys play on Thursday. It is Thanksgiving week, so our ESPN NFL insider, brought to you by Medea from Scratch and their three delicious locations around DFW, is joining us for this episode. It is Ed Werder, and Ed, I think both you and Jacques had, had kind of thought that Kansas City would win the game on Sunday, but were you surprised by the game itself? Only 19 points from Kansas City, nine from the Cowboys, and really after the first couple of drives, it became a defensive struggle. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everybody was excited about this highly anticipated first matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, and it couldn't have done more to fail to meet our expectations. The two quarterbacks combined for five turnovers, neither one of them ran or threw for a touchdown. And the Cowboys, uh, which had been the highest-scoring offense in football, didn't snap the ball inside the Chief 10-yard line all game. So I, I was surprised by the thoroughness of either the domination of Kansas City's defensive front or the total failure and ineptitude uh, of the Cowboys' collective offense to really put any kind of drives together. I mean, you know, the defense gave them the ball with two turnovers on the Kansas City 36 and the 42. And out of those two opportunities, the Cowboys got one field goal because on the other one, Dak Prescott threw an interception right before the half and on a play that uh, cost him CeeDee Lamb to a concussion for the second half of the game. So, yeah, I, I was surprised. But I did say to people who asked, and there were a lot of Cowboy fans in Kansas City, um, I did say that, you know, based on the fact that the, the Cowboys don't have four prominent starters, two on each side of the ball, either one of their edge rushers, Randy Gregory, or Demarcus Lawrence, and they don't have Tyron Smith, um, and Dak's got to play for the first time without Amari Cooper. I thought Kansas City would win by ten. I just didn't think it was going to be a nineteen to nine game. Like I, I'm like Zach Martin. If you'd have told me that the Chiefs are going to score nineteen points, then I would have thought the Cowboys would have won the game by ten. But the Cowboys' inability to, to to execute it all on offense was somewhat surprising to me. I was going to say, what did you see as the biggest? problem with the Cowboys offense on uh, Sunday well I think it was I think it's totally the offensive line um you know I think we all learned a long time ago when they had you know Troy Emmett Michael or they had uh Romo Dez and DeMarco Murray that if your offensive line either isn't any good or doesn't play well then it really doesn't matter what you have at the skill positions because it's just, the the group's not going to function I mean Dak was under a tremendous amount of pressure throughout the game. Um, I think I think it was like 15 pressures and got sacked five times. He, I mean, he looked kind of out of sorts from the start. His first ball, you know, had a chance to make a big play with Michael Gallup, and uh, and he missed that throw badly, and then Cedric Wilson dropped the third down throw, and it was that's kind of was the game. Like, that symbolized the whole game, those two plays, uh, of what was to come. But I really think it was the offensive line. Um, uh, you know, the Chiefs have – a veteran defensive front. I mean, Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram uh, and Jaron Reed. I mean, those those guys are good players. And you know, the thing that point that was made to me was, hey, they, they're next to last in the NFL in sacks, and the only team worse was the Falcons. And you saw what the Cowboys did to the Falcons, beat them by forty. But they were playing at Arrowhead, where noise is a bigger issue. And the thing that surprised me is when I looked into it a little more. Yeah, the Chiefs didn't have a lot of sacks, but they hit the quarterback um, better than all but three teams in the league. 
they had a higher percentage of quarterback hits than all but three teams in the NFL. So they were disruptive, even though they weren't quite getting there and sacking the quarterback. And we saw all that manifest itself, I think, in this game. And then, you know, I, I think the Cowboys made a big mistake. In, in now, maybe maybe Connor McGovern played better than Connor Williams would have under those circumstances. But I bet they wouldn't have made that change had they known Tyron Smith was going to miss the game. I think they expected Tyron was going to play. How much of a loss is it? Because it's interesting when you see things like this. And Cowboys fans are are as you know, they can be all over the place, but. It's interesting, while well, they're 7-3 and three and, they, and they lose to Kansas City and they have to have these really good players to win, which I think is interesting, is there not some fairness to say that how do you expect? This is not the same Cowboys team if you're without Cooper and Tyron Smith and Randy Gregory. I mean, we're talking about a huge chunk when you throw Tank in there as well. That's a huge chunk of the amount of money the Cowboys are paying some of these guys that just weren't on the field on Sunday against the Chiefs. Right, I mean... I think that the only thing that was really proven on Sunday was that the Chiefs are better than the Cowboys when the Chiefs are at home and the Cowboys don't have Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith, Randy Gregory, and Demarcus Lawrence. It could the Cowboys could actually be the better team when both teams are at full strength. But you know that's part of the NFL. I mean, the challenge is, and I think Mike McCarthy, you know, his reputation when I had been in contact with him in Green Bay and covered him was that you know he was a guy who managed injury crises well that he was able to still put a plan together and put a good enough team together that he gave his team a chance to win almost regardless of who he was left to play with on the roster as long as he had his quarterback it was a different thing if he didn't have Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott as we saw last year um and, and you know I mean teams have look what the Cardinals have done I mean the Cardinals have played three straight weeks without Kyler Murray DeAndre Hopkins and longer than that without J.J. Watt and they've won Six straight games on the road, all by double digits. Look what the Baltimore Ravens have done. Has anybody lost more personnel, including their quarterback the other day, you know, last minute, than John Harbaugh and the Ravens? And they still they beat a bad team, but they won on the road. So it can happen, and it and probably should happen more often than not. But, yeah, I'm willing to say that I still think the Cowboys could prove to be the better team, and the result might be different on a different day. But on this particular day, they weren't. They, the Chiefs could have, I think, Chiefs could have scored a lot more points and made it more of a one-sided game than it was. But it's pre- it's pretty bad when it's left to me to console Cowboy fans by making the <laughs> point that hey, your team's still in first place. They're seven and three, and two of the losses are to the two most recent Super Bowl teams by a combined twelve points, and both games were on the road. Like it's pretty bad when I got to be your PR guy. Yeah, I got to agree with that though. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think, uh, what do you make of Dak Prescott? Uh, I don't know. He's, you know, this is he's kind of had a slump here now. Um, uh, they've lost two of their last three games going in now into this Raider game. And, um, you know, if you, if you look at it, the two lowest rated games he's had were those two games, the, the, Vic, the loss to Denver and Kansas City. They both play in the AFC West. Uh, you know, they were down 30 to nothing to Denver and 16 to three against the Chiefs. And, you know, Dak didn't play well in, in either one of the games. That just can't happen. Like, that can't happen against the Raiders. And I thought the most interesting thing, you know, at Arrowhead after the game was that, that McCarthy and Dak both made the same point when they were talking about playing AFC West teams and what parallels there might be between what Denver tried to do defensively and what the Chiefs did defensively in saying that, well, they were physical outside with our receivers. So 
you know, they disrupted the timing. They didn't give them free releases. And that should, I would expect that other opponents in the next couple of weeks are going to give them the same problems. Now, the good thing for Dallas is once they play on Thursday against the Raiders, they're done with the <laughs> AFC West and they start playing right. a lot of games against the NFC East teams that are both inferior to them and the Cowboys know them well and they dominated those teams. So, uh, again, playing Cowboys cheerleader, not really something I'm used to, <laughs> but, but, but I think that's a fair point to make under the circumstances. Uh, you look cute in a skirt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is interesting, Ed, because you bring up the point. The Cowboys have lost two in a row, or not two in a row, excuse me, but two out of the last three. And then you look around the league and you see some of the teams like the Rams and the Packers who have yep. lost two out, the, the Bills who are struggling recently. And the Titans. The Titans, yeah. What does it mean in the middle of the season when a team goes through something like this? Or is it just the course of you have injuries and you're dealing with things? And this is, as you kind of said, this is not exactly the team at its best. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we tried to make the point, you know, the Denver game seemed like an aberration because the Cowboys had, you know, lost to the Bucks and then come back and won six straight. And then this game seemed to be an outlier, which they proved the next week in my mind when they blew out Atlanta the way they did. Um, but to see them struggle the way they did against Kansas City, I think, causes some alarm, um, especially since, you know, the way the game was played. The fact that I think it's two out of three games where, you know, their intensity level didn't match that of their opponents, where they were physically dominated at the line of scrimmage on a regular basis in both of those games. And, you know, we've always thought that the – Offensive line was something of a strength, um, but that doesn't seem to be the case as long as Tyron Smith's not playing last tackle. So, yeah, I, I think all teams do go through this sort of thing. But at a certain point, um, you know, I think when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they kind of were a little bit erratic at this point in the season. And then they ripped off, you know, a bunch of wins in a row and developed some momentum and confidence. And, and I don't think that's what the Cowboys have right now. And the same thing with the Bucks last year. I mean, I think they went to their bye week. They were only 7-5. and five. But then they, they got it together, and they never lost again. So it's time for Dallas to start to put that kind of streak together uh, and rally and, and create a, an identity and a, and a sense of confidence like they had um, when they won all those games after they lost to the Bucks. And I think one of the things that's been lost offensively is their running game. Yeah. Like, look at what's happened to Ezekiel Elliott. And I, I went out there today, but, you know, he had he had a season-low 32 carries, a season-low, or I'm sorry, a season-low 32 yards on a season-low nine carries. Overall, he's only had two 100-yard rushing games. His season high is 142, week four against Carolina. He hasn't had that total in his last three games combined. He's gone from 51 yards to 41 yards to 32 yards. And he said today, I think running the football – has to be important to us. I think it helps us as an offense. I think we're a better team when we can run it well. And and they weren't able to establish that in either one of these, you know, two defeats. So I think they got to get back to that to some degree. This may be the week to do that as, as we kind of look ahead with the Raiders coming in. They're not exactly that great uh, against the run. And, you know, the Raiders are a weird team just because ever since that stuff with Gruden happened and then right after that, the, the rugs, just the horror of, of, of the rugs accident, and since then, they've lost three straight games, and not just that they've lost, but they really haven't been that competitive in the last three weeks. What's going right. on with Las Vegas coming in? Yeah, I mean, I think they've you know had to confront a lot of things that would take down 
the greatest of NFL teams with what happened with John Gruden's forced resignation and you know, the tragedy involving Henry Ruggs. And then uh, they also cut Damon Arnett, another first round pick um, for, you know, the social media posts involving, you know, guns and making threats. But, you know, Rich Basaccia, who we all know, spent five years here as a special teams coach, as an interim coach. But, you know, they've lost three straight games by an act, to your point. The average margin of those losses is nearly 18 points a game. And, you know, Derek Carr was playing great early in the year. Um, he And now in this losing streak, he's got four touchdown passes and committed uh, six turnovers. So I think they've lost without rugs. They haven't really had that, you know, vertical dimension in their passing game. They signed Deshaun Jackson, obviously, uh, and he had a fumble after making what seemed to be a big play. Um, but yeah, they, they just haven't been right defensively. Uh, they create a lot of pressure. They don't get a lot of sacks. Um, but Yannick Ngakwe and, you know, uh, KJ Wright, Max Crosby are, are going to be a challenge for this Dallas offensive line on a short week coming off a really bad performance against Kansas city. Which means what do you think the key is for the Cowboys Thanksgiving day, especially with the short week? Well, I think the the key for them is to, you know, create some kind of offensive balance. And I think they are going to have Tyron Smith back this week. So that should give them, you know, a reason to believe that they're going to execute better and for Dak to believe that he's going to be better protected. I think it's an awful lot to ask CeeDee Lamb to come back and play. And I don't know if I've ever heard of a player who suffered a concussion uh, and couldn't finish a game on Sunday making it through the five-step concussion protocol process and playing and being effective four days later. That just seems like a a relative impossibility to me. So again, like I think they went into Kansas city thinking that they were going to have to run the ball and be effective in that phase of it. And then play off of that. I think that that is what they have to do against the Raiders. They have to succeed at it. Uh, They went in with that in mind against Kansas city and Kansas city was worried about that approach. Um, But, the, the Chiefs dominated the line of scrimmage, and the Cowboys were never able to run the ball. Then they're playing from behind, and so they kind of had to abandon it. But um, I think they've got to create some offensive balance. They've got to establish a physical superiority uh, on the on the two defensive on the defensive and offensive lines, and and they've got to beat the Raiders soundly to feel good about themselves going into New Orleans after that. They, I mean, they got three straight road games coming up. Do you anticipate seeing that on Thursday, kind of that reaction like we saw coming off the Denver loss where they just played angry and everything went their way against Atlanta to rebound from that? Can you see that happening against a, a Raiders team that's down? Yeah, I mean, they, they should have every, every advantage. I mean, the mm-hmm. Raiders are a demoralized group for all the reasons we already mentioned. They're not used to this having to, you know, turn around and play a road game three days after getting beat by the Bengals. So, yeah, they, the, the Cowboys have every advantage you could possibly ask for, you know, except for they're obviously still going to be missing some key players, at least two. We know Gregory's not playing and, and Lawrence is not playing. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't know how you can expect CeeDee Lamb to, to give you much in this game, even if he does play and clear the protocols. But uh, I just think the Cowboys have to put together, you know, a, a strong performance with whatever they have. And they ought to take care of the Raiders and take care of them early. Don't give them uh, any of those, uh, what do you call it, industrial strength belief pills. <laughs> and take care of Darren Waller, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Darren Waller could be a problem. We saw Travis Kelsey at times on Sunday, and you know the, the Cowboys, the tight end seems to be that one thing defensively that they, they struggle with at times. 
Yeah, they did against the Eagles with mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. They did week one with Rob Gronkowski having two touchdown catches. Um, they did. I, I thought Kelsey had a really bad game, especially the first half. Obviously, you know, one of the interceptions, J. Ron Curse interception, is a perfectly thrown ball that Kelsey never has the ball glance off his pads like that and deflect into an interception. Um, but yeah, they have been challenged, even though I think Dan Quinn has a lot of faith in. Uh, his group of defensive players, especially a guy like Curse, who's brought in specifically to deal with some of these tight ends. I think he kind of likes that matchup, but Waller's a whole different deal in the NFL. He's one of the, you know, I think he's probably one of the top two tight ends in all yeah. of football and is really like a big receiver more than he is anything else. So it'll be interesting to see how they defend him and what the, what concepts they use. But, you know, one more thing to, to Dan Quinn's credit, you know, we, he, he got to watch Gus Bradley who he worked with in Seattle on, on Gus Bradley's staff under Pete Carroll in the Legion of Boom years. And Gus Bradley went out against Patrick Mahomes last week, and he didn't try to play the two deep zones that has thwarted um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And Quinn learned from that. He did use the two deep zones. So credit to him for making that sort of adjustment. And I'm sure Cowboys fans hope that uh, he's, he's got a good plan in place for Darren Waller and the Raiders. And hey, before we let you go, man, did the Lions get off the schneid this week? The Lions? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, they're 0-9. Is Dan Campbell going winless? Uh, who do they play? The Bears? Yeah. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah, you got Andy Dalton, though. He would have been better off against Fields, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, so I, I think isn't uh, – um, well, I guess we don't know if, if Jared uh, Goff is going to play in the game or not. He's coming off an injury that cost him uh, to, to miss last weekend. But I think he still hasn't won a game without – Sean McVay as his head coach, and Sean McVay is not going to be coaching the Lions in this game, to the best of my knowledge. So I'm going to say the Lions are going to lose again. All right. That's a sad day. Ed Werder, man, thanks for doing this. Appreciate the time. All right, thanks, guys. See you at the game. All right, there he is. That is Ed Werder, longtime NFL insider. Brought to you by Medea from Scratch. They have three locations in the DFW area, Flower Mound, Grapevine, and Plano. And, of course, Keep in mind, man, I mean, once we get past Thanksgiving, you know how it works. Everybody immediately starts scheduling their holiday parties and gatherings. Keep Medea from scratch in mind when that time comes for you, your business, or even just your group of friends, as I think that you will enjoy your experience with Medea from scratch. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.